Danny. Danny, thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day and I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved, so um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, well <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Yeah, well done. That's so true. Oh my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could have edited that bit out. I could do this. And I was just so comfortable that I was like, I'm all this stuff. It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. On this podcast, we chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, I'm super excited to welcome a magnificent group of authors to talk about Hometown Haunts, a new young adult short story horror anthology. The stories dig deep and go hard, while some are straight up terrifying, others are psychologically rooted in our society's deepest fears and concerns. We have an incredible lineup, and I'm going to let them introduce their wonderful selves. Let's start with you, Alison. Hi, uh, my name is Alison Evans. I'm coming to you from the land of the Wurundjeri people, the Kulin Nation. Um, I have three books out. My latest book is Euphoria Kids, and the story I wrote in Hometown Haunts is called Angel Eyes. Hey everyone, uh, I'm Emma Osborne, um, also coming to you from Wurundjeri Land. Um, I write mostly horror, some fantasy, um, had a bunch of short stories out uh, and some poetry. Um, and my story in Hometown Haunts is called Slaughterhouse Boys. Um, hi, my name is Felix Wilkins. Um, I guess if I had something to plug, it'd be my film production company, Yabba Films. And I wrote the story, Best Years of Your Life in Hometown Haunts. Uh, g'day, I'm Holden Shepard. Uh, my novel Invisible Boys came out a couple of years ago and my next novel The Brink is coming out in 2022 and my short story in Hometown Haunts is called Rappuccini Sa. Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm a Murray woman uh, coming to you from Ngunnawal and Nambri country here in Canberra. Um, uh, my novel is Ghostbird and my short story in Hometown Haunts is Don't Look. Everyone, I'm Mariana. Um, I'm an animator and a gamer, and I also do a bit of writing. Um, and my story in Hometown Haunts is Hunger. Hello, everybody. My name is Poppy Nwosu, and my latest book is called Road Tripping with Pearl Nash, and my short story in Hometown Haunts is called Nature Boy. 
Hi everyone, I'm Sarah Epstein. Uh, I'm coming to you from uh, the lands of the Boon people in the Kulin Nation. Um, I have written some books, um, Small Spaces and Deep Water, and my story in Hometown Haunts is called Stop, Revive, Survive. Hey everyone, um, I'm Wei Chim. I'm coming to you from the Eora Nation uh, in Sydney. Um, I've written a couple of YA books, Freedom Swimmer and The Surprising Power of a Good Dumpling. Um, you may recognize me from Australian Survivor, Brain versus Brawn. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, and, um, among, <laughs> and I also, <laughs> um, my story is called The Party. Wow, what an incredibly talented group of people we have. I'm super excited and thank you for introducing yourselves. I thought that would be far more interesting than me doing it 11 times. So, But Poppy, I want to start with you because, you know, this was your brainchild, wasn't it? I mean, this is what you, you did and you created and you collated it and tell us where it came from, what happened and how it became into this, how it came into this beautiful book. Sure. Um, I think I've always been a fan of horror since I was pretty young, I guess, horror movies and all that kind of stuff, which I think would be surprising for some people considering the rom-coms that I write. Um, but so I think it was like it was an idea that I had a long time ago. I feel like I'm one of those writers that has way more ideas than I could ever possibly do. Um, so it was just another one of those ones that sort of just popped into my head that I just, you know, kind of dismissed because I was like, how, how would you even remotely try and put together something like that? Um, but I just thought it would be a really cool idea. And I, I guess like a horror anthology with YA kind of short stories is just something that I would really love to read. So it kind of stuck in my head. And um, I guess a few years later, I kind of had the opportunity. I ended up um, after my first book came out about a year after that. Uh, a job opening came up at Wakefield Press that are they're also my publisher and I applied and I got the position and so I started working part-time in publishing and it's a really tiny team so we kind of there's a lot of sort of it's cross-pollination the right word <laughs> <Sounds weird. laughs> you know what I mean like we, we kind of work in each other's areas to yeah. such a little team um, and so my boss kind of sent around um, it was just after COVID started and there was quite a few different arts grants um, going around to kind of help, I guess, creatives create new work in times of, you know, trouble and stress. And my boss was like, oh, has anyone got any ideas for, you know, a project that you might be interested in sort of driving on behalf of Wakefield? And um, so I kind of, I was so nervous, but I pitched it to them and they were just straight on board straight away and we're just like, yep, go for it. And that's where really where it started. So I think that's a year and a half ago, yeah. I love that, Poppy. Now, do you think there's any room for you to write a horror rom-com? Because I'd be down to read that. <laughs> well, I mean, I hadn't thought of it before, but... <laughs> well, there you go, next project. Now, I remember I spoke to you on the Publishing Insider um, series and you said, oh, we've got these couple of books coming out, when you said Hometown Haunts, and you couldn't even tell me at that point who the authors were. I was already super excited, and then I found out these wonderful people on the screen. I thought, oh my goodness, I have to do this. And I said, just get as many people as you can. And I'm so glad that we got so many people. And then I was thinking today, well, how, how are we going to do this? So I'm so happy to have you all here. Next up, Holden Shepherd. G'day, Danny. Thanks for having me back after I trashed your podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you're back. <laughs> 
I now, can't believe you let me and Brent do that. I Thank can't you. believe I did that either. Now, for those who aren't really getting it, he did um, a podcast takeover with uh, Grant Ison, and I gave them one rule. They weren't allowed to say a particular word. And they kind of tried really hard not to, but then gave me heaps afterwards. I'll leave that to your imagination. It's episode 389, if you want to check it out. It was super popular. So it's like no one wants to hear from me anymore. Everyone wants Holden and Grant. So, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, Holden, likewise, likewise. Now, your story, Rappuccini's son, I loved it. I loved it so much, but I love everything you write. And I just thought it was a bit of horror, a bit of magical realism in there as well. How is that different to your other writing experiences? Um, Frankly, it was terrifying because I don't write horror and I also don't read horror and I also don't watch horror. So um, this was just completely out of my wheelhouse. Literally, my husband, Raphael, um, loves horror. He reads Stephen King. He watches all the M. Night Shyamalan movies Mm. and I, like, don't go. Um, so uh, yeah, so this is hilarious. way out there, but Poppy came to me and said, look, we're doing this, we're doing this horror thing. Do you want to write uh, a horror short story? And I thought this is the only time in my career, this opportunity will ever present itself. Um, maybe I'll challenge myself and see how I go. And, uh, so that's how it, uh, obviously was played it up. Uh, but then I had to write it. And <laughs> as you know, I do more contemporary, you know, like I, I, I don't really know how to do the jump scare. I don't know. Well, how you to... did, you did do it, Holden. Did I? Did, were you, you scared? Stop. Well, I'm hard to scare, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, like, I feel like it was just, it was creepy. It was yeah, creepy, but creepy is great. Yeah. yeah well, I'm glad. Yeah, but horror glad is such a big genre, you know, like horror, like crime is so huge that you have all these little pockets of genre. So creepy is really good and I love that kind of magical realism element how did how did you think of that how did that come into it um look basically you know in short the whole thing came about from a flip with Max song um wow. accidentally there's That's a song amazing. called running through the garden and I happened to listen to it at the gym when I was brainstorming wow for, what the hell do I write for horror and I thought wow this this idea of a poisonous garden sounded really interesting yeah. And I looked up where Stevie Nicks got the inspiration and it was this really ancient story from 1844 by Nathaniel Hawthorne or Graffiti's wow. daughter. And I was like, I need to I need to look into this. And basically the core idea is that, you know, it's not the poison garden that's dangerous. It's actually the person themselves has become mm. the toxin, has become so bad. And I just thought that's a really creepy, horrible thought yeah. to, to deal with in a story is like, what if you're bad? What if you're yeah. the worst and you let all that darkness out and let it consume you. I thought that would be a really cool take. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm obsessed with, if anyone's listened to the podcast with Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, I felt like it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I would love to say it was an influence and I know the reference. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I know, I know, I know of the reference, um, but I'm, I'm appallingly uh, badly read. <laughs> but but no, it, was, it wasn't a conscious thing. But I did. Oh, if you ever want me to read the picture of Dorian Gray to you, like I'm happy to do that. Like just like one chapter a night before bed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, sure way to put sure way to put you to sleep. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I loved it, and I loved creepy, and I did feel like it had a little bit of, a little bit of that. So it's it's funny that you said you did go back in history because I felt like it had that kind of historical edge to it. So. I'm glad it came across. I want it to be timeless and a little bit creepy. Well, tick and tick. (laughs) Thank you. Now, Sarah Epstein, also a guest on Words and Nerds. I looked today at the episodes you have been on, Sarah, and we're up to over 400 now on Words and Nerds. So you're on episode 49. You were like a baby guest. (laughs) 
Yeah. And then, then 202. So I wanted to thank you for coming on early when Words of Nerds just wasn't even on anyone's map or radar. So thank you for just going, yeah, I'll do that because it could have been terrible. Oh, no, it wasn't terrible. I already had listened to episodes and it was 48 of them. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well I mean, you. to be honest, it's like just sitting and just chatting to you, you know, just like in the lounge room, you know, yeah. so you make it so easy for guests. <laughs> well, so. thank you. But that's what I aim for. I hate the interview question answer things. I just like yeah. to have a chat. Can't shut me up. Mm-hmm. So your story, Stop, Revive, Survive, is kind of going into that crime horror genre, you know, I thought. And it really focused on our deepest fears. Now, how do you construct a horror story that taps into that human fear? Well, I suppose, you know, when I wrote Small Spaces, um, you know, I was interested in, you know, just the the building tension of a psychological thriller. And I knew that's what I wanted to apply here. And the first story that I ever did was actually, well, that that I wrote for this was more of a psychological road trip type of um, scenario. And so the story that ended up in the book is not actually the one that I wrote first. Um, And the reason why I didn't go with that first one that was more psychological which is probably like what people would be expecting from me was because I suppose I'd sort of I'm working on something like that now uh, another novel and I'd done that with small spaces and so what I really wanted to do was something just scary just flat out scary and it was it was flat out scary yeah and I, I love I love monster movies I love you know I love zombies I love aliens I love all that stuff. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say I love zombies yes I do I adore them I love monster movies um and I love all sorts of creepy books but my favorite yeah. or the ones that really stay with me um like Holden was saying you know creepy is great I love creepy yeah um I love unsettling stuff yeah um and so what I wanted to do was kind of build that with this story but then I wanted to kind of take quite a drastic turn and then sort of explore more of the other stuff that I love which is um, you know uh, as you say there is a crime element to it but I suppose it's the examination of of monsters you know um, monsters as people monsters as you know people that you know very well such as the two cousins in this story one of them is not particularly wonderful guy Um, and monsters as monsters you know Mm. scary scary monsters which I love Um, and so yeah that was kind of what I really wanted to do was just um, you know take that kind of suspense that I love to build and um, you know approach it the way I would a novel um, with the three acts, you know, just kind of draw people in, um, build that tension. And then I like to put a little twist in the tail at the end. And so that's kind of how this story came about. Well, you did all of that and more. I loved it. And I, I love how you, you did tap into all of that. And I think, you know, I love horror as well. And I think I grew up on, you know, all those horror films of Freddy Krueger and Jason and Halloween and, you know, <laughs> Chucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I think all those things just stay with you. You know, I've got yeah, really absolutely. Little, I've got really little kids, but I can't wait for the day when they're teenagers and go, let's put on Freddy Krueger. Like, I don't even know if it's good anymore. It was so long ago. <laughs> might ruin my illusion of, you know, how good they were. They might be terrible. <laughs> but that was the sort of same diet you were brought up on. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a note in the back of the book, Poppy got us all to write a little note about, you know, just our own little bio. But I, my bio basically just talks about, you know, that uh, um, the slumber parties that I used to have and I used to invite people over and we'd have Ouija boards and we'd we'd do levitation and we'd be, you know, scary stories. And we just loved that scariness, you know, that thrill. Um, You know, I've even stayed overnight in a quarantine station in the hopes of being haunted. So it's just, yeah, I just love all that scary stuff. And yeah, definitely brought up. I mean, you and I are the same vintage. And so we need to have a slumber party. Yeah, we do. We do. Like, seriously, what are we doing? We can just watch all the Freddy Krueger movies back to Absolutely. back. Absolutely. Oh, can't go this. wrong with Freddy. And I love a bit of Michael Myers as well from Halloween, which is yeah, very apt totally. for this time of the year. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. I love all of that so much. <laughs> so, summer party coming your way. Yay. <laughs> now, the lovely superstar, Wayne Chim, who you might recognise from Survivor, being the uh, the brains of the, uh, the brawn. I'm sure you've got brawn too, way. And now I just loved, this is my favorite thing, so I'm going to bring it up. We're like, oh, she's just having a break, see away. And then what happens? She turns up on Survivor. Uh, <laughs> and I remember the thread, everyone's going, that sneaky, sneaky little traitor. So I wasn't there was when you all found out. That I know was you fun were. to come back. Yeah, to go, to oh, phone. look, all these tags. <laughs> now, I think being on Survivor, you know, I, I kind of like being inside. So I think being a survivor would be my horror film. Just give us a rundown. Was it like horrific? <laughs> um, no, it wasn't horrific, but it was definitely, I think, a challenge is, is, is how I would put it. <laughs> and, and the same thing with writing this story. Yeah, <laughs> writing. I, I like to challenge myself. 2021, 2020, 2021 has been a year of challenges. Some yes. deliberate, some uncontrolled but yeah mm. it was definitely a challenge it was fun i learned lots and everything it was caught really up. great to have everyone yeah we caught up way at the beginning of this year before covid hit again and we were almost sort of normal we went to the bookshop we had a long chat at the cafe yeah. like oh look this is almost normal real life and then everything turned to crap again so it was like one of my last outings before the world turned itself back upside down Anyway, you have appeared on the podcast where we talked about um, the surprising power of a good dumpling, which I just loved. Uh, Episode 219 for anyone who wants to check that out. But your story in this anthology, The Party, I thought really reflected current society. Uh, What was your intention in combining that reality and horror? Yeah, so um, I kind of come from Holden School of not watching horror, not reading horror, and not <laughs> writing horror. Um, Excellent. I love it as a genre conceptually, but I said, and I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, you can edit it if you have to, Danny, but I'm chicken shit, basically, when it comes to things. <laughs> oh, I watch after, horror after what Holden said on his takeover, we can let that one fly. Oh, okay, you, you can <laughs> let that one fly. Perfect. So yeah, so, um, but it, I did see it in the same way that I really thought it would be a challenge. Um, I love the concept of it because fear is such a a really, really strong, powerful emotion. So um, 2020 was tough for everyone. And I kind of was trying to write from this place where I wanted to say, this is what it is. It is So my story is set against the backdrop of the pandemic. And I think that's kind of how, who I am as a writer is like, I kind of put myself, I write to what I'm familiar with. I'm always influenced by what I'm reading and what's happening around me. And 2020 was all about the pandemic. So yeah, so I did kind of put that realistic element to it because that is kind of who I am as a writer, but just wanted to add, I guess, that extra element of 
um, horror to it and challenge myself and kind of came up with this sort of zombie terror thing of a party and everything goes wrong. And, and I, I don't want to give too much away because there's a little bit of a twist and everything. But I guess when I landed the story and I finally was like, yes, this is the horrific element of it. I really kind of wanted to go back and kind of change some things, uh, you know, as you go with the first draft and kind of sum it up as 2020 was the absolute worst what could have made it even worse basically <laughs> zombies at a party yeah exactly I know, and, and whenever zombies turn up at my house when i'm having a party it ruins everything way <laughs> pretty much pretty much and and there's some little easter eggy things that are it's written for a very specific audience but i mm -hmm. try to make it kind of work whether you know it's the audience or not and again i don't want to give it away so it should work on the two levels and i think for me i think it was just a giant puzzle for me to solve and that's what that story turned out to be with some horror elements. It's really funny though because I know that you and Holden have both said that you you don't really immerse yourself in horror and yet somehow horror has you've absorbed it somehow you know whether it's just through pop culture or you know Holden you're saying what you know your husband watches or things like that you know so you've absorbed it and you've managed to write these brilliant stories and yet you don't immerse yourself in horror I find that amazing. I think, yeah, fear is so, I think fear is, you know, we all know what it feels like. We all know, like, you know, I think I just have a lot of fear. So it's very easy for me to tap <laughs> just into. just went on Survivor you know, way. Exactly. I, I you saw me on Survivor. Water, all of those other things. Everything is terrifying on Survivor. But you still I did it. There's no way I, I did. could I'm do that. There's no way I could do that. I'd be out in the first hour. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm hungry. I almost was. I'm cold. I almost was. <laughs> But you didn't. You were amazing. And I know you like challenges, Wei. So how has that challenge and the other challenges you've had? I mean, this is a this is a recent one and quite a tough one, I think, from looking at it. Um, how has that changed you as a writer? It's given me a lot more outlook and changed my relationships with people. I think more mm -hmm. than anything, it was a great social experiment, which is what the game is yeah. um, for me to go on. And I think it's kind of affected how I see and how I interact with people, which I think will eventually inform my writing. I've, I'm, I'm still working on the, I guess, doing more. It's, it's been tough. I'm gonna be, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, it's been tough. You know, and part of the reason to go on Survivor was because I was finding it challenging to write in this current situation yeah. and environment. Yeah. So yeah, but I think I learned a lot about people. So yeah, so hopefully they'll come out in something um, mm. eventually at some I point. I love that. Well, I think you're very brave. So well done. I love oh, it. Thank you, Danny. I think <laughs> you would be amazing as a brain. So no, I, I doubt, would, no questions. I would there. just cry the whole time. So I would be hungry and I'd be outside and I'd, everyone would hate me. They'd vote me off the first hour, <laughs> guaranteed. <laughs> Now, Emma, I almost got voted off. Oh, really? I just see that. Just see that. Now, Emma, your story, Slaughterhouse Boys, loved it. I loved all these stories. And what I love so much is how differently you approached horror. And that's what is so great about the genre. You can all approach it in these different ways. And they're just so enjoyable to read, whether they're creepy or whether they scare your pants off you or whether you don't want to read it in the dark. They've all had these different elements about them. So, Emma, can you tell us how does horror resonate with you as a writer? And then how does it resonate with you personally? Oh, that's a question. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, as a writer, I mean, yeah, I, I do write a lot of horror, um, actually. Um, it's kind of my sort of my main thing, I suppose. Um, although I do really enjoy writing fantasy as well, but it tends to be sort of dark fantasy. So it's <laughs> kind of horrific fantasy. getting into horror as well. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I just... I just think there's so much to explore in horror and so much to process mm. 
I think, um, you know, I think, I think I've had, you know, I've had a few tough times in my life. I think everybody has, but um, I think writing horror has helped me to process some of those times. And, and I think it's really helped some of the readers as well. Um, I think horror can be sort of a very sort of safe space to explore um, trauma, to explore grief. Um, and, you know, as, you know, as Wei was saying, like we've all had fear in our lives. We've all had grief. We've all had trauma. We've all had, well, hopefully not too much trauma, but we've all had, you know, difficult things. And, you know, we've all had the worst thing that's ever happened to us. Um, and it's different for everybody, but I think horror is just a really great way of kind of confronting that sometimes wow. in maybe a safe way. Mm. Or um, I think it can also, uh, it can really help bring people together as well. I mean, as a queer writer um, and as a queer horror writer, I think, um, and I'm speaking as a white queer person, so it's a very different experience to a lot of other people. But, um, you know, I think we have certain experiences that, are very scary that um, that other folks might not have, and it can it can sort of be I think comforting to sort of read that, and it can be comforting to to know that your fears are shared by other people. Um, so that's that's why I really like horror, yeah. um, and I also think you know it teaches a lot of empathy, because when you know what people are scared of or what they're having to deal with in the world, then you know you get an understanding of that person, um, and you can hopefully get some empathy with that person as well mm. if it's outside of your experience so I love that that's I love, what I love that yeah and I really like how you focused on because some people if you just say horror they kind of undermine it as like oh, it's just horror you know but you, I think you, right. hit, you hit the nail on the head of saying it does all these things with you know grief and trauma and helping us work through those things and it reminded me of something I went to this um it was a course for work and it was this quite quite confronting to hear but he said you know you need to be um you need to be working through all of those traumas he said because I can tell you that ahead of you there's grief and there's trauma and he said I don't know when that's going to happen but it's going to happen and that's really awful to hear but if you are able to work through it through your writing or through art I think that can sort of helps he said you know and the question was are you ready for it and I'm like no I'm not <laughs> but I think how can we how can we look back and then look forward and and work our way through those things that have been and that are coming so I love how how you said that yeah thank you um and I guess like on a personal level um in Slaughterhouse Boys um my main character Tom is very um, he, he's not, he doesn't have a great relationship with his family. Um, the story is a, like a lot about sort of obligation about, um, wanting to be loved by the people who should love you, but not being loved by those people. And, you know, the things that you'll do to sort of earn that love. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I grew up in the country. I grew up in a very sort of rough and ready country area and um, the story set there as well. A um, lot of uh, scary parties with drunken grown-ups in my, in my teenage years. So I guess I wanted to sort of look at that as a particular kind of horror as well. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I hope people find something in it that they resonate with. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even more so, I feel like I want to go and read your story again now after you've talked about that, because I think I'll read it in a different way. So I love hearing about, you know, where it came from, you know, where all these stories mm. came from. So I think it's really special. Thank you, Emma. Thank you.
Alison, uh, award-winning author you are. It's funny how you introduced <laughs> yourselves because none of you said I'm an award-winning author when, you know, maybe that's that's what I would have said for you. So you're all very humble. So, you know, I've got your <laughs> bios in front of me. So you are an award-winning author. But tell me about your story, Angel Eyes, and I want to know how you wanted to create horror for your readers. What did you want them to feel or feel afraid of? Yeah, um, I... I think in the past I've always written horror by accident, um, which is kind of funny because my first two are, I I think people could consider them horror books. Um, And so when Poppy was like, do you want to write a horror story? I was like, yeah. And then I was like, what? What? I love that. I I like the say um, yes first and work it out later. Yeah, it's it's a good strategy. I would Mm -hmm. recommend it. Um, And so... (laughs) I was just thinking about like, because my first two books are sort of like, what do I fear the most? One, my own doppelganger, and two, being eaten alive by zombies. They're very specific, Alison. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a lot of anxiety. (laughs) I I relate. I can relate to that. Maybe not about those things, but. Yeah, but specific specific things. things. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, And so I've always been very interested in body horror. Um, and I was sort of thinking about that and I didn't really know how to write about it. And I knew that I wanted to write about where I lived, which was Footscray at the time, um, which is also in Warrenjeri country. Um, and I was just kind of thinking about the physicality of the landscape and I don't know, just, it, it all just kind of came out somehow. I think I, cause in, during COVID, um, the trains, I was right near the, the train tracks and the trains just kept going by at the same schedule. Um, no one was on them. Wow, that's pretty um, Yeah, and <laughs> so I was, I was just, I would listen to them all day and all night. And um, I think that's why kind of the motif of the trains is so mm. present in the story. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just wanted to kind of explore what, a monster is as well you know like who who gets to say what a monster is um and I think all those things kind of brewed up and came came out in into the story I love that I do need to ask you though what do you feel so much about meeting a doppelganger I don't know it's weird (laughs) it's not weird I'm just (laughs) curious yeah no I mean like I I feel like fundamentally it, it it is so deeply weird to me that like I could not be the only one of me um and I think that's that's what that is yeah. well you do think <laughs> in a population of eight billion you do wonder don't you yeah try not to okay sorry I'm gonna have nightmares now thanks Alison. thank you very much I'll, I'll no email you later and say thank you yeah. for my nightmares <laughs> so why um, are you drawn to horror um I don't know I think because for me when I'm writing I want to explore a question Mm -hmm. and I think um I don't know there's something about exploring your own fear that produces a lot of questions and it's kind of like you sort of run a bit on adrenaline as well (laughs) so I think that's where that came from I was also just diagnosed with ADHD uh which explains a lot about chasing adrenaline um because it helps it helps my brain do the things um and yeah so I think it's just 
like it's quite navel gazy, really, when you think about it. I'm just thinking about me, like what's going on in up in the brain space, you know? Yeah. But isn't that a relief when you kind of get to understand yourself? You know, whether it's good or bad, yeah. I think when you get, you know, when you start to understand my, and yourself and talk about it, I mean, that happened with me, anxiety, with me and anxiety. I just thought this was just how I was. And then, you know, you get this diagnosis and you go, okay, that's not great, but <laughs> I'd rather not have it. But, you know, then you start to understand yourself better and be a bit kinder to yourself. So did you find that with your diagnosis? Yeah, I think... Um... You know, everything just made sense. I was like, yeah. oh, that's, Clicks, right? that explains yeah. so much. And now I feel great. Yeah, and it's just me. And if you don't like it, oh, well. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I'll find someone else who does. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Mariana, you um, you write speculative fiction and you're a winner of the CYA Fiction Prize and shortlisted for the Affirm Press Mentorship. That's very impressive. Now, your story was hunger. Now, I just loved the title of hunger because I think it can it's one word, but I think it can say so much. What did you want to convey about humanity and horror in your story? Oh, God, that's, that sounds like a harder question than what you asked everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone's saying. Like, Mine was hard, was hard too, so, yeah. <laughs> but you're all, nail you're all nailing it. I wasn't really trying to convey very much for everyone. It was really my horror. And I love that. hunger was, you know, sort of, it's, it's to do with me. Maybe, you know, like, like Emma was saying, and I think like some of the other writers are saying, it's therapy. Mm. Um, and the hungry ghost concept was just the thing that terrified me all my life. Um, because coming from an Asian family, I had parents that just, you know, just didn't understand PG ratings. Um, and, you know, they would actually go out of their way to torment me um, with these hungry ghosts all my life. You know, like if I couldn't sleep, they'd actually tell me it's because there was a hungry ghost sitting on me that I couldn't see. You know, so stuff like that. So actually it wasn't that I was trying to say anything externally but it was just like my fear that I was mm. trying to sort of write through. Mm. And the way I tend to respond to fear is through comedy. So that's okay. Yeah. But that's, but that is a strategy, isn't it? Trying to, you know, they say that, you know, even with grief, there's comedy because that's how you, you know, sort of balance it out. Some of us, I think. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how did you feel writing through that fear and writing through that sort of childhood experience? Was it, was it a cathartic experience in the end? It was interesting. Um, yeah, <laughs> I love yes. that answer. <laughs> well, um, because, um, you know, I, I'm an autistic writer as well. So I actually find I've got lots of different layers. You know, it's very hard for me to write very deep vulnerability emotion. So I think, you know, I rely a lot more on the comedic element. So as I, after I finished writing, I was thinking, is this actually scary stuff or is it more cathartic stuff? And when I, I've read half of these stories now, and then I kind of now understand, oh, no, some of these are really, truly creepy terror. And some of them are therapeutic um, terror. So, yeah, I think that's quite interesting. It is. And you don't want to read an anthology by reading the same story 11, 12, 15 times. You know, you want to to dive in and read something different each time, I think. And I think this anthology does that beautifully, like you said, with your story, which is a little bit different, you know, to the other people's stories. So what do you think, why do you think, you know, because horror, horror is popular and, and we're saying before whether or not you've watched it, you've still absorbed it in some way. Mm. Why do you think human beings are so curious about the unknown? I think it is just part of the human condition, honestly, just same as creativity and playfulness. Anxiety mm. is a part of all of us. And I think anxiety is the root of all of this. And I love that some of us respond by laughing 
you laughed about it and you lost, you know, you, you reminisced about Freddy Krueger. Yeah. And I watched Freddy Krueger um, and I watched it again and again because due to peer pressure um, and older siblings, but it was not a laughing experience. It was horrible. <laughs> um, and yet I kept on doing it. It was like, you know, getting a knife and stabbing it into my hand again and again and going, why am I doing this? Um, and right now, um, I'd stay away from horror films because they affect me quite badly. Okay. But I'm actually really enjoying Minecraft survival ah, mode. And, yeah, you've got the zombies and stuff in Minecraft. Which, yeah, it's yeah. a very visceral, controlled horror experience. I like it. And I use it to sort of, like, train myself. You know, I can go into this tunnel. I have a weapon. I can kill the zombie. So, yeah, I actually quite enjoy gaming a little with just a little bit of horror now as opposed to watching horror. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot, the Minecraft element. I have two small children and there's a lot of Minecraft going into my house, so mm. I know lots about all the zombies and the survival mode and there's been tears when survival uh-huh. mode hasn't worked out how they'd want yes. it to work out. Well, I'm surprised at small children playing it when I'm so chicken shit about it, but I've seen <laughs> seven- and six-year-olds, you know, conquering zombies where yeah. I can't. They're amazing. Like, the stuff they build, I'm like, how did how, how, I don't even know how you hold the controller. It's amazing. It's an amazing skill. Now, Lisa, you're also an award-winning writer. I think everyone's an award-winning writer in this room. Uh, Your story was Don't Look. I want to know what Don't Look was inspired by and why why humanity or why human beings are so interested in fear. I mean, we go on roller coasters. That's why fun parks exist. Why do we want to experience fear, but sometimes, most of the time, in a safe place? So what was it inspired by and why do you think we want to experience elements of fear, although probably safely? Um, it was actually inspired by the most terrifying night of my life or one of the most terrifying nights of my life. Wow. Uh, my cousin asked me to come sleep over and didn't tell me what was going to happen. And yeah, I, I, I guess in some ways it was me rewriting it and making it a bit safer for myself what wow. happened. But um, yeah, I think um, a lot like what Mariana was saying, you know, in my family, you sit around, you tell ghost stories and actually it's kind of like a rite of passage scaring the absolute shit out of the kids, um, especially around a campfire at night. Um, so, yeah, it, it's always been fun, but at the same time it is absolutely terrifying. Um, but then there's the, I think in some ways we can laugh at that and then there's the truly horrifying stuff that we can't sometimes escape. Mm, absolutely. Wow. I've how did that feel when you were writing about the most terrifying night of your life? Like, how does that feel now that you've written through it? Um, I reread it this afternoon, actually, and I was like, oh, that wasn't as scary as, as it oh, felt. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> um, interesting. I, like, and I, like, it's, it's, it's loosely based. Um, it definitely, like, I stayed all night in that house and I never, ever stepped foot back in that house again. Wow. Um, the second the sun went down, you could feel it in the house and it was bad and it did not want you there. And this, like I am not a morning person. Everybody knows this about me. I was awake and out of the house at the crack of dawn. Wow. And so it's interesting. It's like when you have a nightmare, you know, you're in that moment and you're quite upset when you've had it and then morning comes and you think, oh, you know, maybe it wasn't as scary as I thought it was at 3 a.m. in the morning. So you've really done that done that same thing as Miranda like worked through and processed you know and Emma as well process and things that were bothering you and you came out of it less afraid would you say I still wouldn't walk in that house 
No it, way, you couldn't pay me. We're not going for our slumber party there, Sarah. <laughs> Sounds too creepy. We'll go somewhere, five-star hotel or something. <laughs> not creepy at all. <laughs> so you still want to go into that house. That's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, hearing about, I think, I can't remember who was talking about, they had a Ouija boards and that. Yes, that sort Sarah. of stuff is strictly forbidden. <laughs> like if you got caught by the aunties or uncles playing with Ouija boards, you would have gotten a slap, a slap yeah. across the head and serious trouble because you don't in our culture you don't yeah. mess with that stuff you don't yeah. play with you don't understand and actually it's it's pretty woven into us that um yeah don't look is a huge thing because the, then your instinct will be to run and if you run it will chase you wow so, that's interesting yeah. what if you just stay still won't chase you you don't want to like you <laughs> okay so I come from a really small country town right it's literally 500 people there are very few street lights um you can walk to one end one of the town to the other in about 10, 15 minutes. Wow. But there's still areas you don't walk because you know you don't want to pass through that area because immediately you feel something behind you. Mm-hmm. And I've had moments where I've been like, you know, um, I was picking up one of my friends. We were going to sleep over at my place. We walked um, over the top of a gully and I felt something behind us. And mum always said, you know, don't run. Start singing if you're really scared because it comforts you. And I said nothing to my friend and she's, she, she's not Indigenous and, you know, just started singing and she started singing too and I made it all the way to our house and up our back steps and it was like we were fighting each other to get to, through the back door and I've shut the door, we sat in the lounge and just said nothing and she looked at me and she went, Lisa, did you feel like something was behind us the whole way? I just went, shut up, Rachel, shut up. <laughs> I'll talk about it. <laughs> but I think there are those shared experiences mm-hmm. and where the people want to kind of, admit it or not we kind of hide behind rationalism sometimes and we we shouldn't yeah I I completely agree with you because I think if you speak to a lot of people whether they believe into that or lean into that kind of you know thoughts we've all had an experience that you probably can't explain I mean I know I've I've had one where you just go I can't explain that (laughs) what just happened you know so I think we've all had those moments so when you you know you you read about those and you're writing about them I think most of us have had that sort of experience that you can't explain or that sixth sense that you know I think as adults we lose less we lose more and more because we do we could become rational and pragmatic and cynical almost I definitely haven't lost it I'm, I'm oh, good. A total chicken shit like um, way <laughs> I, I I rarely will watch horror but um I do love Resident Evil and Ooh. I'm never happy when I watch it like I enjoy it and it's exciting that's so funny but then I'll walk into the bedroom and I'll wake my partner up before I get in because I'm terrified. <laughs> I have to make sure he's human. It's, it's, it's weird. That's what's so weird. That's what I wanted to ask you because it's so weird about people. You know, I remember I saw Wolf Creek with my stepbrother and we we're having a great old time. We were watching it. And then I realised I had to go home on my own in my, an empty house. And I said, um, do you mind sort of just coming over and maybe you could do a walk through the house with me? <laughs> ridiculous but these things you know you want to go and see them and you want to be scared and then you go back to your life you're like hmm, how am I going to go to sleep tonight so it's interesting that we keep doing that. and I keep doing that so I don't know I can't explain it <laughs> I don't think any of us can and nor should we because it's that's, fun that's it is has an element of fun that's what's so good about horror our Felix screenwriter and filmmaker your story is best years of your life now I want to know what is the difference you know between putting horror on the page and putting horror on the screen like what are the things you have to consider uh first and foremost 
not having cast and crew like like you're, honestly you're during lockdown show. yeah that's that's well even just like the fact that last year covid was a thing pretty much the whole year in melbourne so it wasn't really able to get much much done that wasn't very insular very one person production so and also just the way of uh because i come very much from a screenwriting background um just the idea of using syntax and, and language to it sounds so simple like talking about it as a literary thing but yeah just syntax and language to create atmosphere and perspective and provide like a psychological edge to um something that started off as body horror and then progressively became a lot more psychological as the process of writing it went on mm, that's what i love about horror you can go in any direction can't you now why why horror i mean you could make films about anything you could make rom-coms why horror uh, it's just it's always what's excited me really i was kind of a opposite um relationship to horror as some people in the yeah in this anthology where my parents would not let me anywhere near it um like strict rigid you can't watch halloween until you're 18 literally until i was 18 i couldn't watch halloween because it has an r rating even though ma15 movies came about in 1991 right so there's like a whole bunch of movies before 1991 that you know you could watch but and they would have gotten an M rating, but because they were made before M rating existed, I just couldn't watch them. So all the forbidden fruit stuff, like I just wanted my hands on horror. And as a result, I think it's just kind of instilled in me. This is the forbidden genre. It's the exciting genre. So <laughs> yeah, it, kind Jamie. of love affair started there. It's interesting that, again, you know, you didn't sort of watch horror until you were 18 and then you, you had absorbed some of it from somewhere. And then when you did come of age, you're like, that's it. I'm into it. So what surprised you about horror when you, know, you first got your eyes and your hands on it no i didn't say it until i was 18 i kind of sneaked a few here and there <laughs> oh, good. um sorry um what excited me i guess i remember watching first night i ever watched horror movies that were like real horror movies um it was a double bill day i turned 15 i think i got away with texas chainsaw massacre and the thing and they really stuck with me i don't know just those two movies I mean there's literally a giant poster you can't see on the I, podcast there's yeah, a giant I, poster of the thing right behind me um see. yeah but geez these movies um yeah I don't know it's um, what was it about it like some dude running around with a chainsaw what, what was it about that went <laughs> yes resonated honestly a little bit of it was the fact that my parents hated it I reckon I remember them like passing me out in the background and going this is horrible like this is the best thing ever <laughs> Um, so are you saying you should bring your kids up on horror so they don't oh definitely <laughs> definitely definitely i think that's i wouldn't have done a single thing to upset my parents if uh, they'd let me watch horror from age nine <laughs> you'd have a whole set of different problems though probably <laughs> <laughs> look probably a few here and there <laughs> and so now that we're getting back on track hopefully fingers crossed um you know learning to live a little bit better with covid hopefully um what's in store for your filmmaking um getting out recording in an environment that's not an interior or just my bedroom i've been making a lot of things just on my laptop um just from scratch so it'd be nice to use a camera to make something for sure um but hopefully things coming through a plenty in our 2022 got plenty of ideas that i'd love to make we're looking forward to it. And I, I do wonder, you know, the impact of COVID on all of us, but I wonder the impact on art as well, you know, because I think maybe we're, we're not going to want to write about it. Maybe we are going to want to film everything outside. You know, so it's going to be mm. interesting to see how we've changed. Maybe we'll snap back to, you know, the way we were before, but maybe some things will change. So I think that's an interesting question that I guess we'll figure out in the next year or so. Yeah, it's been interesting sort of, 
it's it's weird because some films like there are films being made oh i don't want to single it out there's a specific film where they treat covid like it's been going on for several more years than it has and it's post-apocalyptic there's covid 23 now i swear i'm not making this up this is a real movie i'm moving to mars yeah right like (laughs) i think it's really interesting to take stuff you know from the real world and make it a horror thing like that's obviously to some extent why we're all here right but there's a line like how much do we want to see of real life like reflected on screen i think Mm. Mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see how the balance works out over the next year and i think art is a balance of reflecting uh, and mirroring society and our problems but also that ability to escape and and to be in that fantasy you know because it is nice to escape but it is nice to also you know have that other layer of art where you're able to reflect on 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 the societal things as well so I think though those two things are key and important now before we head off people that's been a wonderful insight um i think we've gotten you know really deep with just two or three questions each so thank you for your generosity and your answers uh, but i do want to do a whip around it's going to be harder for some of you than others i was going to ask for your favorite horror book or film now for those of you way holden mariana you could just tell me your favorite film or book that's almost horror you could rebel and tell me your favorite rom-com or you could just tell me your favourite chocolate bar, whatever. Um, so you've got free reign. Um, I'm going to go around my little grid and I'm going to say, so favourite book or film or painting or piece of art that is the closest to horror that has resonated with you and, and quickly why. Alison, let's start with you. Um, I think Ghostbird by Lisa. It's just like it. I don't watch horror movies because they freak me out and I felt the same way reading the book. Um scared me so much I had to turn on all my lights because my wife was asleep and I had to turn on all the lights and it was just so scary um but it's very good and a really nice exploration of um sisterhood as well which I really liked um yeah cannot recommend it enough if you want to be scared get your hands on that one (laughs) that's wonderful I love that poppy uh, I was trying to think of, of what I feel like there's so many books I read when I was a kid that really like were very unsettling and got under my skin but when I thought of maybe the thing that impacted me the most I watched a movie when I was a teenager um, it's a Japanese film called The Grudge which has been remade as an American movie but you shouldn't see that because it's terrible but the original it frightened me so badly that I had nightmares for weeks afterwards. But I remember when I actually watched it, I didn't even think it was that scary, but it was just the aftermath of it. Mm. And it, it's such a strange film. I feel like it's almost like all just cut up and jagged and it's not just a linear story. And I don't even know if I fully understood it at the time as a teen, but it so disturbed me. I was so afraid. So oh, I think that's you. Yeah, very yeah. visceral horror experience. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. I think that's where the real horror comes when you watch something and it stays with you. You know, I, I find that Freddy Krueger is kind of funny in some ways. You know, I found it funny because it's a bit silly and it's a bit over the top. You know, there are some scary bits, but I don't think it stayed with me, you know, as, as some other pieces of art do. And that's, I think, really telling a, a really good piece of art that stays with you long after. I love that. Sarah, we talked a little bit about Freddy, our mate Freddy. what else what else have you got oh gosh this is so hard because I have consumed so many horror books and so many horror movies in my lifetime I love it um first of all I've just got to say that uh, I agree with Felix I absolutely love the thing um it's such a great movie it's John Carpenter right is it John Carpenter yeah yeah the the best John Carpenter movie yes anyone can come at me for that yes um (laughs) 
and well Halloween's pretty good but yeah I, I do love the thing um and also Poppy that image of um Sadako coming out of the well from the uh is that the one from the grudge or, or what am I thinking of the ring. oh the ring yes oh, the original oh, the Japanese ring. the ring oh my god that yep. that still stays with me and my husband all the time like we just uh, we always refer to that um but for me um I thought I would pick um, since my story is sort of a bit of a monster story. Um, one of my favourite movies, and I've watched it so many times, is uh, a Korean movie called The Host. And um, it uh, was created by um, Bong Joo-ho, who has you probably know more recently for doing um, the, uh, oh, goodness, what's that? Parasite. Parasite. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I love the host. It, it was something I saw really late one night on SBS and I just fell in love with it and I've watched it probably 10 times since then. So I just love a bit of monster horror, but that was, that's one of my favourites. Mm. And you have both mentioned, you and Poppy both mentioned Japanese films. And I remember there was a time in my life where I really sought out those Japanese horror films because they're next level, aren't they? They're just, I feel like when you watch an American one, they might have, I feel like they're a bit shiny and sanitised. When you watch those Japanese horror films they're they're really scary yeah the ja Japanese and the Korean oh. stuff is awesome the yeah. um another recent because I do love zombie movies and so Train to Busan is another Korean movie that's awesome it's um I haven't seen the sequel I, I don't know if it's any good but uh I really did love um that movie as well so yeah just when when they take when Americans you know, take these movies and they make their own versions. It, you've you've got to watch the original. You've got to watch the original. Um, yeah, because there's just as Poppy was saying, there's just some element to them. There's it's it's a culture thing, and it's mm -hmm. just the the original vision of the the writer and don't hold um, back, do they? Yeah, that's right. It, mm -hmm. it, you've just got to see it in its original form. There you go, Wayne Holder. There's some suggestions for you over the weekend. <laughs> some Japanese horror. <laughs> Lisa, what's your uh, favourite horror in, in the art world? I don't know about horror, but um, two movies that haunt me still, because I was a bit like Felix, mum would not let us watch anything too scary. And one of her cousins came over and she banned my sister and I into a room because it was they were watching horror. And um, we sucked um, and snuck into the lounge. And I've never shaken these two movies, The Changeling and The Entity. Wow. Um, so they're both like the entity is about a woman who is haunted by an aggressive, malignant um, being that regularly assaults her and the battle with it. And then The Changeling was a 1980 movie um, about um, a, a professor who moves into a house. He's just lost his wife and his daughter. So like, there's that undertone of grief. And he starts to hear and see things in the house and there's that question of if he's losing his mind and it's, it just ramps up and ramps up and it gets truly terrifying. But, yeah, so Love it's that. the thing that if I think about it late at night too much, I can actually scare myself awake. Mm. I'd like you all to come back to me tomorrow and let me know what nightmares you had. That'd be great. <laughs> Mariana. Oh. I was going to stick with my Minecraft answer, but I you always can. You can. I've got to. I'm, I'm okay. in the film as well because you've jiggled my memory. <laughs> um, I just really still think Minecraft survival mode only, though, mm -hmm. because, you know, we have to say in gaming, you know, in books and films, you know, you have to show, don't tell. Um, but in games, you know, you have to do, don't show. Oh, and I think in doing, it is making you 
you know, you're not watching someone run up the stairs. You are running up the stairs mm-hmm. to get away from the zombie. And I think that's the difference. I think that is sheer visceral terror. Or it can be, obviously, with more R-rated games. But, you know, Minecraft is enough for me. Um, but in terms of film, I did just watch one that has stuck with me. Um, has anyone seen It Follows? Yes. Creepy. <laughs> it's very low budget, but it kind of, like, was one of those a few years ago. It was just one of those low budget films that really set off a few, yeah, psychological traumas. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that one, it, um, I don't know, it just it stuck with me. Wow. Uh, Sarah just weighing in here, Mariana. I absolutely agree with you. I love It Follows. There is something just absolutely terrifying about that. And the the thing is that the if for anyone that doesn't know, it the plot is that there's this um this entity that uh takes over people's bodies and this the it just follows people. So once you're cursed, it follows you at a walking pace. Very so, slowly. But but it's relentless and it will never ever I'm stop. Just looking at Wayne Holden's face. <laughs> oh, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend mm. it. And I I just got to say as well that um that the um producer, the US producer Rebecca Green is actually a producer on the Small Spaces movie. So oh, wow. yeah, Amazing. I'm absolutely stoked. And also a shout out um to uh, Christian Moliere as well, who is uh, his production company created The Babadook, who is also working on small spaces. And The Babadook is another one that's mm, highly terrifying. recommended to check out Australian. Yep. Yeah. Can't wait to see those movies, Sarah. Small spaces. It's amazing. I love that book. Emma, tell me about your favourite horror book, art, film. Uh, well, firstly, I just want to say I'm too scared to watch It Follows by myself. Um, it's one of those movies I've just been like trying to get someone around to like hold well, my hand. Emma, that's why we need a slumber party. Exactly. Can I come? I'll yeah, bring totally. like all teasers. It'll be great. Um, uh, I think for a book, um, Stephen Graham Jones is like the most incredible horror writer ever. Um, he's a he's a First Nations writer. He's a Blackfeet um writer uh he wrote a book called mongrels which i'm obsessed with about um a young boy who's grown up in a werewolf family but the whole whole thing about it is they don't really know if he's going to become one or not because sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't but it's also a really cool exploration of like how difficult it can be to sort of live sort of from home to home because I have to move around a lot and it's kind of about poverty as well and it's just a really cool book. Um, and in terms of film, because um, I'm going to have two things, um, everyone's been talking about Korean horror films um, and I saw a, an amazing one recently called The Call, um, which is about uh, this, this girl's in a house, a family buys a house and she gets a phone call from 20 years in the, in the past um, and so she can talk to this other girl who lived in the house and... The, the first girl, her, her dad died in a tragic accident. The girl from the past has like a really scary, abusive mum, and they kind of try to work out if they can save each other. But then also it's kind of about, well, what happens when someone has control of your past mm. and you cannot go back in time to stop them from doing anything. So it's actually like terrifying. Um, it wow. stayed with me for months and months. So it's on Netflix if anyone wants to watch it. Um, good luck. Now. It's haunting. It it's this. haunting. Um, but enjoy. Um, so the call, yeah, is it? Mm, yeah, it's called the call. Might yes. take up that challenge. It's really good. It's Lisa great. She's not sleeping tonight. So. <laughs> we'll have to have a virtual summer party because we're all not sleeping tonight. Um, Sounds good. Felix, can you narrow it down to one or two? F word, no. Um, 
So I, I did. I try my best. Um, it depends on the week for me. Um, right now, I'm loving horror movies that kind of feel like live action Looney Tunes episodes, but with lots of blood. Um, very specific subgenre. Um, so I have to give a shout out to Gremlins One and Two, uh, Brain Dead by Peter Jackson, and to give because I have to throw an Australian movie in here, uh, Body Melt, 1993. Directed by Philip Brophy, his one and only movie, uh, horrendously underrated. Love it! I love that horrendously underrated. Makes me want to watch all of these things. I don't know how I'm going to find the time. Wait, I don't know what you're going to come up with. Surprise us with something. Maybe it's your favorite chocolate bar. Could be a Kit Kat. That's fine. No, you see, I love that everyone's been talking through horror and talking about it almost as a therapeutic thing. So I'm going to talk about something that you know hopefully brings a little bit of therapy into this, so mm -hmm. that um, we can, you know, I can move on to this. Part of the reason why I'm so chicken shit at horror is I had the similar experience, Felix, where my parents didn't allow me to watch things growing up for very good reason. <laughs> where I was, you know, back in the day, um, you're allowed to, you could leave your kids or probably you didn't get in as much trouble if you left your kid at home. And, you know, I was left at home by myself for a little while when my mom went to go do groceries and I decided to watch The Exorcist because oh, I was eight years old that's and hardcore. a wonderful thing wow. to do as just, an eight-year-old. Just start hard way. Wow. Don't ease yourself in. Oh, yeah, you know me. I don't do things halfway. I think that's the thing. Ooh. This is what I do. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it hard. And yeah, basically, how did that go? 20, I don't even think I made, I definitely didn't make it through the whole movie. I switched it off like maybe, oh. she didn't even start doing the head turning thing. <laughs> that was and my I, next question. Did she get to the head No, I didn't. Question. It was just like the puking and the, like, oh. you know, the violent shaking. But even when awful. the the church statues are like bleeding from the yeah. eyes that was yeah. too much for me because i was eight years old so well, i turned it off understandably and then my mom so, comes wait. home and asks if everything's okay and i can't tell her and i basically was storing all this fear in me for god i never think i ever told her oh, that i was watching this movie by myself and that is might be why i have a problem with mm. horror so understandably I'm about this now and uh if your mom's listening Way is very sorry for being a rebel. I am very sorry <laughs> for that thing. And mum, you were right. It wasn't a good idea oh, for me to do it. Mums so. are usually right. We <laughs> just takes us 30 years to figure it out. <laughs> Holden. Holden, my mate. Tell me. I've I've been racking my brains trying to work out what I've ever actually consumed that could even be termed horror. <laughs> um, and but I think I've worked out why I don't like it. Yeah. Because um the only thing I ever saw. Final Destination, I think, came out when I was like 11 or 12. Oh, so you, and I watched you started it. too young, guys. Come on. Yeah. But I think I started with no concept of what horror was as okay. a genre. You know, like I've just been yeah, watching yeah. this movie. I'm like, oh, like everyone's going to die. And like the death will get you. You know, <laughs> like that's just gone into my head. And I've been like, wow, I don't want to watch anything that's like that ever again. Yeah. Um, so I never have. Um, <laughs> book, maybe World War Z mm -hmm. by Max Brooks. Uh, because it was quite an interesting like oral history of the zombie apocalypse and it was kind of creatively structured. The movie's terrible. It's nothing to do with the book, um, but the book is good. Um, I saw Old by M. Night Shyamalan. Mm. My husband took me to that and I think it's been kind of mixed reviewed by people who actually like horror. So maybe that's why I liked it um, because it wasn't too scary. It was like that high concept thing. Like everyone ages really fast on this beach. And so people are just like aging years in minutes and it's, Freaky. Wow. Um, but you know, like to be honest, the only way I like horror is like if it's mixed with comedy. Mm -hmm. So like I really like this probably makes me sound well, it just makes me sound like exactly what I am. <laughs> I really like screwball dumb 
comedy. Shaun and of the so Dead. Like, Shaun, I was like, Shaun of the Dead, scary movie franchise, like anything that's just really, yeah. really dumb parody. Yeah. I find it hilarious. So that's the only way I like to consume All right. Well, we'll watch stuff. Shaun of the Dead first at our slumber party. So you can just come in, make us popcorn. Can I go, can then, I go home after then that Then you one? can go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Before we put on um, all the Japanese horror films, you can. Before we bring yeah, out no. the Ouija board. <laughs> Actually, Hard I'm going to leave. Class. I'm going to. Why do you people do this? Like, I'm going to leave before it's they scary. do. So I'm just saying. I'm out too. I'll just be there doing the Ouija board by myself. myself yeah. They freak <laughs> and me out. your friends. Freak me out. Yeah. I don't understand <laughs> them enough. I feel like they're going to follow me around like that follow me story you were talking about. <laughs> Look, what a delight. Thank you so much for being so generous and honest. And I think we really actually, you know, you really dug deep and gave some really honest and generous answers. So I really appreciate that. I mean, I think some people think, who would have thought we could do all that with horror? I mean, I knew we could because I think horror has a really long history of reflecting society and and looking at those deeper things and allowing us to explore fear in, the, in a sort of safe space, if you like. So thank you so much for, for being part of this collection and writing it because it was thoroughly entertaining. And I remember when Poppy first told me, I said, you send me that. I really need to get my hands on that. And it didn't disappoint. So thank you so much to all of you for sharing your stories and how different they were was so fascinating. It just shows how amazing horror as a genre can be. So thank you so much, all of you for your time. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you for having Thanks us. For having us. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. We'd love to engage with you on social media. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Danny V Books, Words and Nerds podcast. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Stay safe and read more books.